Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 223 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Gray! Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, back quite soon since I last came on after that big gap I had over the summer, but yes. I am, I'm doing quite well, yes. Yes, so uh, what have you been up to recently? Oh, oh Dave, I need an intervention. Yes, oh, you something, do. <laughs> something's going wrong with my life. So obviously uh, now I am no longer a teacher and I've had more time in my life. I get to the end of an evening and normally I'd be so tired I need to be rushing to bed. I find myself channel surfing and I've ended up being absolutely swamped by the reality TV, the autumn, oh, God. autumn normally sweeps. So uh, frustratingly, I've been watching things like The Circle, The Apprentice, First Dates Hotel. I got into Interior <laughs> Design Masters. No. I need to stop. I need help. Um, but, oh, there's, <laughs> there's so much decent drama out there. Why are you watching this I rubbish? I know. And I've got a wait list on my Netflix and on my Sky that's ridiculous. And yet I still like lying there like, I'm just going to catch up on the circle. Anyway, I, I will get out of that. I will shake myself off and I will get out of that very soon. I have managed to finish a couple of other little things and start some new bits. So I finished uh, The Reluctant Landlord, with the, which is Ramasharanga Nathan's show, yes. uh, which is uh, based in Crawley, apparently, which is just up the road from me. <laughs> And I'm always trying to work out where they do outside shots, if it's actually in Crawley or not, and I can't quite work it out. Um, and then that led me straight on to watching Motherland came back on BBC Two, but it got dropped to the box set, and I'm already three episodes in. That programme is so funny and has got such good talent in the cast. If anyone didn't see the first season, which went out about 18 months ago, it was absolutely brilliant. And this season just picks up exactly where it sort of needs to. And it's really funny, really observational. It's about like mums at the school gate sort of thing and right. the competitiveness of mums and carrying their jobs. And oh, there's brilliant performances out there as well. Fabulous. Um, finally finished the crown season one. Which was, <laughs> I now have a month. Yes, I know. I now have a month left to finish Crown Season 2 before I get to see Olivia Coleman. Yes. So um, I am going to be starting to really crash through that. I'm going on holiday next week, so that might well be a holiday watch or a plane watch. Cool. I've got one episode left of each of A Confession, which is the Martin Freeman drama, and The Capture, which is a holiday Granger drama on BBC. So I've got one episode each of those, which is going to sort of like, I'm going to try and finish those before I go on holiday next week. How are those who been because I haven't watched either of them yet and I keep on well, to get to them the capture was brilliant it's all about making you paranoid <laughs> I just yes. 
yes, I, I'd uh, heard that. I, I that's the one I was going to go for first. Yeah, I think a really, really strong plot. Um, I've just watched episode five, which was like the big reveal and sort of unpicks episode one to four. No spoilers right. at all, but. And that was fascinating. I'm like to see where they go. I've, I've tried to ignore social media, but a few people have said that episode five is better than episode six. They felt episodes, but you know, I can't comment until I've watched it and a confession. Now, when we watched the first episode, we were like, Oh, uh, well, are they trying to make this true story too dramatic by having these like bits that, you know, did that, right, yeah, yeah. that. Um, but as we've gone on, watched episode five, just last night, actually, we were just like, Oh, oh, wow, where's this going to go? So I'm really looking forward to episode six, which I think we're going to watch tonight just to sort of see it out, which should be good. Um, and when they're off my list, I can go to my watch list and I've got a few things that I really want to start adding. Like I'm still like chipping away at um, Shit's Creek on Netflix. Um, I still watch The Good Place when it comes out weekly. Yeah. But I've added El Camino and the politician as things I want to watch. Please, no spoilers on El Camino if we talk about that later <laughs> because it dropped on Friday, but I've just had the busiest weekend. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not going to get a chance to watch it probably until uh, this weekend or when I'm on holiday next week. So that's pretty much me. Um, no gaming this time, Dave. So I'm not going to be caught <laughs> no. up to say any wrong uh, games or anything like that. So it's over to you, Dave. Yes. What have you been yeah. up to? You've not been suffering withdrawal symptoms from not being able to play Fortnite night for two days like the rest of the internet uh, not that i ever really played fortnite apparently it is back up now because they there was a whole thing they they basically destroyed the island that fortnite is based on and and replaced it with a black hole for like two days and and this is now all back up apparently there is now chapter two running and they've oh, rebounded i'm relieved so yes so the, lots of uh, lots of 12 year old children rocking backwards and forth in their bedrooms um so yeah for me though tv wise Swamp Thing which was on Amazon I watched the whole of that series it's 10 episodes long uh, not coming back for a second season that first season actually rounds off quite nicely so don't be too afraid to kind of go and watch it as as just a self-contained thing it's obviously based on the comic book property it was a DC Universe title which they weirdly kind of got leaked after one episode went out they cancelled it and it wasn't coming back it seems to have been a financial reason for that happening if you actually watch the series the the swamp set because obviously swamp thing it's based in a swamp um the swamp set for that is quite spectacular and uh, part of the problem apparently was the fact that the swamp set itself was going to cost them an absolute fortune to uh, put away somewhere to to keep hold of if they were going to come back for another season so uh, that was that was one of the apparently the budgetary constraints which is mm. one of the reasons why it didn't come back but i really really like that series and i thought it, it, they did a wonderful job with it it's one of the best adaptations because there've been a few kind of variations of swamp thing in the past but it is one of the best versions that I've seen of that character. Quite true to the comic books, I think. It's got a very dark horror kind of feel to it. Fits in really well. It, what is slightly frustrating is Swamp Thing works quite a lot in the comic books with Constantine. And I can really see Matt Ryan's Constantine fitting into that show very, very well. And unfortunately, it's not going to be returning. Um, so it's if you like your sort of comic book stuff, particularly if you like them with a more of a 
sort of horror edge to it. If you watch that Constantine series that went out on NBC and again only ran for one season, I think Swamp Thing is something that is very much worth watching. This is coming from somebody that doesn't hugely do horror things, but I think there's enough of a good mix of comic book stuff and horror stuff in there to to kind of level it all out. But I, mm. I thought it was a really, really solid adaptation of it and uh, such a shame that they're not making more of it, unfortunately. But, I had uh, listened to a few rumours on forums and things like that um, about th- there's something not quite right. There's, you know, there's not a full explanation. Even some of the cast and production team were like, we're making yeah. an amazing show. We've got really good comments and it's critical acclaim. Um, and so people are just saying there's something a little bit fishy. Uh, you know, I don't know if fish can survive in a swamp, but it's <laughs> a little bit fishy going on there. And it is sad when they do make these sort of like well created dramas that are received well and there isn't a clear explanation or um i'm just ashamed that if it is finances it's but you know yeah i mean it seems to have been mainly finance stuff that has caused it because i mean it was very critically acclaimed when uh, the first episode came out and people really really liked it so it was such a shame that they decided to pre-cancel that already pretty much but um yeah definitely worth going and watching it's on amazon prime if you want to catch that season and as i say don't worry too much it it does round it off reasonably nicely i mean there are sort of a couple of threads left dangling that they could have picked up for further seasons but there's no like big cliffhanger at the end it works okay as a self-contained thing so i think it is worth going to look at raising dion i completely finished as well now which i very much enjoyed comic book adaptation again although it's not really a particularly well-known comic book but it is a comic book adaptation this is about the little boy that develops superpowers and it's sort of where those superpowers come from and the story's more really based around the mother and the first episode is titled how to raise a superhero and and a lot of it is sort of about that it's what do you do when your six-year-old child starts to develop superpowers and he's a six-year-old child and how do you manage that not only raising this small child as a single parent and dealing with all that but he also can float things around the room and can kind of disappear and you know it's a really interesting kind of setup and, and as the show goes on you get more and more into the reasons why he suddenly got these powers and what's going after him there's there's a really interesting twist that comes towards the end as well which obviously I won't spoil but uh, I thought that was really well done very very solid series and I hope they renew that for another one it seems to have been going down fairly well on Netflix so I, I hope that uh, we will see more of that. It was a good, solid series. El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, I absolutely loved. I think it's it's a wonderful addition to the Breaking Bad franchise. It's a great way of rounding off Jesse's story, which you know had a reasonable ending at the end of Breaking Bad with him just kind of driving off into the distance. But I rather like that you get a sort of more rounded conclusion with this about um, what happens to Jesse sort of post Breaking Bad. And uh, there's some great little cameos in it. It's it's fabulous. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, go and watch it. It's brilliant. Uh, if you want to hear more about the review of that i did a podcast with matt over at entertainment talk you can go and find that and we did a sort of full review on el camino over there and the other thing now i've finished my run through the mcu i've started on a run through star wars and have forced myself to watch the phantom menace and i'm about halfway through attack of the clones at the moment the phantom menace 
I think it's fair to say does not stand up particularly well, um, particularly the CGI. I mean, the, the CGI it looks quite bad, actually, at this point. And I don't remember it looking quite as bad as it did. Maybe I'm just kind of spoilt with the modern CGI. But it's one of those things that I think if George still had control of Lucasfilm and was looking at it now, he'd be going back and tinkering with it. You know how, how George Lucas went back and sort of messed around with some of the original movies and put yeah. extra bits in and stuff. I think if, if George was still in complete control of the Star Wars franchise now, he would probably go back and be tinkering with the, with, the that, Phantom, yeah. with the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones because that CGI work really doesn't stand up. I mean, the dialogue's as bad as it always was, but that's sort of a hallmark of, of those uh, early Star Wars films anyway. So, I mean, that's whatever. But um, I don't know whether it's just we've been spoiled by some of the later films like Rogue One and even the new trilogy. I don't know, but it doesn't stand up particularly well at all. And the first half of the Attack of the Clones has a similar problem. Second half gets sort of better because you've got more kind of action stuff in there and, and the story gets a little bit more interesting. But uh, yeah, it is kind of trudging through. I'm not a huge fan of those um, prequels, but I sort of felt that I needed to watch them because I want to watch the whole thing in order. I'm going to do <laughs> Solo and I'm going to do Rogue One and, and I'm going to try and do them all in chronological order rather than doing it any other way. So uh, I am about halfway through tacking the clothes at the moment. I will be continuing that journey throughout the next few weeks and that's all the stuff i've been doing this week should we move on to some tv and film news oh, i can't wait to talk about this <laughs> millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We start off the TV news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. And, and I think we're going to start off with what's become slightly the elephant in the room. The Sky One Arrowverse Batwoman fiasco. Certainly if you've been on the website recently and you've been looking through the comments section, there's been a lot of discussion about what has been going on with the Arrowverse and Sky One, what has been going on with Batwoman. So it became apparent that Sky One were not going to air the Arrowverse Batwoman series. Now, if you're a fan of the Arrowverse, you know why that is a problem, because there is a huge, huge crossover event mm-hmm. coming, and Batwoman is one of the shows which is part of that crossover. There is an episode of Batwoman in that crossover. However, news leaked out from the Sky Help Team Twitter account claiming that it's not that they haven't picked it up. It's that Warner Media, who are the parent company for Warner Brothers, CW, HBO, DC Universe, and a whole bunch of other things, are not allowing Sky to pick it up because they are retaining the show for a streaming service 
service they're planning to launch in the UK. The problem is Warner Media have not announced that they're launching a streaming service in the UK. So it's difficult to know whether somebody at the Sky Help team has got the wrong end of the stick or whether this is genuinely true and is Warner Media holding on to this show. Although it would go some way to explain the disappearance of some of the other shows, but we'll get on to that. Warner Media, like I say, don't have a service launching in the UK as far as we're aware at the moment. They have HBO Max launching spring 2020 in the US, and they also have control of DC Universe, the streaming service, but they haven't announced anything outside of the US right now. But if this rumour is correct that they are launching a streaming service, at the very, very earliest, we're going to get it in spring next year. And that's if they suddenly announce that they launch HBO Max UK is going to launch at the same time as HBO Max US. And you kind of think they would have said something about that by now. I think with all the streaming that you've got to get it out there and let people know to make their choices. Because if Apple arrives in November and people start committing to their their payments, but they don't know what's coming around the market and you try and flood it next spring, people are going to start saying no. People are going to be like, you know, there's a limitation. Yeah. And at some point you've got Disney Plus coming as well. So you've got that to add into the mix. Mm. So that's going to be another streaming service. So what are the impacts of this? Well, in terms of the Arrowverse, what it basically means is as of right now, Sky One only have four of the five episodes of that crossover, which means one fifth of the story is going to be missing. Sky, as we understand it, are desperately trying to convince Warner to give them just the crossover episode. But as of right now, none of that is confirmed. And we know that they have Supergirl, Arrow and Flash and presumably Legends coming back, although that isn't completely confirmed, but we presume that Legends will come next year. It's not aired in the US yet. It's coming mid-season in the US, so that's early next year. Mm. So that's why there's no announcement on Legends yet. But we know they have Supergirl, Arrow and Flash coming back. Hopefully, they manage to sort out some sort of deal to get that Batwoman crossover episode. But at the moment, it's looking like the crossovers are going to come out in December and Sky aren't going to be able to air one-fifth of that story, which is a huge issue. And what's frustrating is if WarnerMedia aren't going to announce this streaming service, and certainly it's highly unlikely they're going to have anything out by the end of the year, it's just going to push people towards pirating that episode. And the problem is once people go and start pirating things and realize that they can do it and they can find it online, they're more likely to do it in the future. Mm. So this is a really bizarre strategy if that is what's going on. But at the moment, we don't know. It definitely is having a negative effect on audiences because I I am worried also about the number of streaming sites we're going to get in the future. I do believe piracy is going to become more prevalent as more people realize they can't afford all these streaming websites. But the, the crossover episode discussion with the Arrowverse, they are so key to mapping the storyline. So, for example, I am a Chicago Fire and a Chicago Med viewer, but I've never been a Chicago PD viewer. And every season they do a successful crossover. And as I'm not a Chicago PD viewer, I never really miss out. There's enough because they're all really set in their own episodes and it's just a few characters coming over. You still get the gist of the crossover episode. And I never feel like I miss out. But I'm not an Arrow viewer. But I know as we come up to the crossover, I have to watch those Arrow episodes because they're so key to how it maps in to the entire story. So 
the viewers for an Arrowverse series are more passionate, more engaged and are more committed. And so this is going to have a more impact. Yeah, people can get away with not watching a Chicago Med and still catch up with the two. Mm. And it works because they're so procedural. They're so matter of fact. And they actually have enough of a flashback to let you know what's going on. Right. But I think the impact of an of being the comic book like driven narrative, it's sad really that, you know, I am one and I'll hold my hands up probably be saying this, but I will go and pirate it so that I don't feel like I've missed out. I would rather go to a streaming platform and watch the episode yeah. than not watch it and feel like I've missed out. Or yeah. I'll be ringing my family in America and getting them to ship over DVDs. <laughs> well, yeah. And the problem is that the entire final season of Arrow is almost based around gearing up towards that crisis event. Yeah. And then suddenly you're going to get there and one fifth of it is going to be missing. So mm. it's bizarre. And, you know, if it isn't Sky's fault and if it is Warner Media, that's a really stupid choice on Warner Media's part. I mean, maybe they don't care, but it's not going to win them any huge amount of goodwill if they then suddenly go, hey, we've got the streaming service. Like, well, that's great, but why didn't you do something about this earlier when we actually needed the episode in there? Mm. I mean, the other impact of this, of course, is Sky Atlantic and HBO. Yeah. Because the likelihood is if, and I stress if, because this is all kind of guesswork at the moment, if HBO Max launches in the UK, that probably means the Sky Atlantic HBO carriage deal, which was for five years and is due to end next year, isn't going to get renewed either. Because why on earth would Warner Media, who own HBO, carry on allowing Sky Atlantic to air HBO shows if they've got their own platform to put it on? Mm. So I suspect that will probably end as well and all the HBO shows will end up moving across. It may be that even if there is a streaming service, it is in some way integrated into the Sky Q box. Yeah, that just crossed my mind because Sky have got to be worried right now. Well, I mean, the, you may have noticed that Sky have spent an awful lot of money not only signing a co-production deal with HBO, which guarantees that they get to keep shows like Chernobyl because they co-produced it but they have also spent a lot of money on producing new original content themselves as well mm. things like britannia that sort of stuff they have been ramping that up quite a lot i think possibly because they knew this was a possibility as i say it may be that if and again i stress if if hbo max does launch in the uk it could end up being an app something like the uh, you know how netflix is integrated onto sky q now yeah. they could do it in the same way as that so it it's at least feels part of the same service and sky does have this production deal with hbo so you kind of would think that they wouldn't want to burn all their bridges they want to keep some sort of relationship going there. That may be how it ends up working out at the moment. We just don't know. In terms of other Warner Media shows, this could go to explain why E4 haven't managed to pick up the last two seasons of Supernatural, because that's also controlled by Warner Media, because that's a CW show. We've also discovered that Dynasty, which was on Netflix, isn't coming next day anymore. It's coming as a box set in 2020 due to the change in the deal that they had for that. And uh, Black Lightning, which used to air usually within a sort of week of the US has still not shown up on Netflix UK as of today and there was a tweet that went out last week saying if and when it shows up we'll let you know but that sort of if
if is a bit dubious, you know. So we may not be getting the third season of Black Lightning either. It's not clear at the moment. Uh, uh. There's also a number of other CW shows like Roswell New Mexico, Legacies, the new Nancy Drew series, which haven't had UK pickups yet. So it is, it's really difficult to know what's going on and whether any of that is related or not. The problem is that nobody's talking. We've reached out to Warner Media. They won't say anything. The Sky One press team will only give us the official line of we have no plans to wear Batwoman. E4 are very hesitant to say things because they still have some deals in place with Warner Media over stuff. That's the most frustrating thing is we just don't know at the moment. So a lot of this is is guesswork and, you know, little bits of information that have dropped out. So yeah. the basic upshot of it is, as far as we're aware at the moment, the Batwoman series is not going to come to the UK. That could be because Warner Media are planning to launch a streaming service at some point, but they haven't announced anything yet. It's really going to screw everything up. <laughs> at the moment, nobody's talking, nobody's saying anything official. We can't give you any more information than that. So that's how it is right now. It's a mess i know let's hope for a kevin feige spider-man type announcement within the next week or even <laughs> maybe after we finish recording today's episode let's yeah. hope some sense comes to everybody within a matter of time and we get another announcement and we've been positive about it in a few weeks time that would be good yeah i mean mm. I, at the moment i would be happy if they can just announce they've got the crossover episode for me that's the biggest issue right now yes it sucks to not have the last two seasons of supernatural um and stuff like that on e4 but we don't know whether that's directly related or not but the real spanner in the works is that crossover episode of batwoman for the arrowverse and uh sky really really need that and the moment we just don't know so moving on to other renewals and cancellations and pickups and stuff there is a bunch of pickups we're starting to get into that part of the year e4 has picked up the linear rights to star trek discovery so it will still premiere on netflix that is still the plan as far as we know the third season will be on there however these are sort of second run broadcast rights so they will be airing star trek discovery from season one they've also picked up the matt leblanc sitcom series which i think is in season four coming from season one that is man with a plan and uh, they've just announced they've picked up Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist which hasn't actually aired at all yet on either side of the Atlantic which is a new musical dramedy series stars Jane Levy as a uh, computer coder uh, based in San Francisco and there is an unusual event which means that she starts hearing the innermost wants and desires of people around her through songs so it's, it's a big kind of silly musical dramedy series crazy ex-girlfriend style yeah crazy ex-girlfriend style it's that sort of thing it's got a really really good cast Skylar Astin from Pitch Perfect Alex Newell from Glee Peter Gallagher from The O.C. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls is in there so there's a, there's some great people involved in that I am quite looking forward to that I think it, it sounds wonderfully silly and uh, no they haven't announced when that's going to wear yet because as I say it's not gone out in the US either it's going mid-season so early 2020 on NBC hopefully won't be too far behind when they air it as well but they have picked that up moving off e4 and over onto amazon prime if you've not got an amazon prime subscription right now you might want to ask for one for christmas because there's there's a whole bunch of really interesting things co- that they've managed to pick up the jason Bourne spin-off series treadstone that is coming friday the 10th of january 2020 that is landing uh the star trek picard series which i think they previously announced they picked 
up. We've got a date for that. That's 24th of January that is arriving. They've also picked up this new teen-led Walking Dead spin-off series, which is premiering spring 2020. So that is going to be going on there. We have an air date for Outlander Season 5. That's coming February 16th on Stars in the US, which means it should be uh, Monday, 17th of February in the UK. Although they haven't officially confirmed it's going out next day, but it has every other year. So I don't see why it wouldn't this year. And Vikings, sixth and final season of that. We've got an air date for that. That is going to be December 4th on History in the US. So it should be Thursday, 5th of December on Amazon Prime in the UK. Although, again, not officially confirmed, but it's always been next day previously. So there's no reason to think it wouldn't be now. So um, Amazon Prime, definitely something that should be on your Christmas list, I think, if you haven't got a subscription for that already, because there's some really good shows, not to mention the Lord of the Rings series and the boys and all the other wonderful things they've got on that service already. So uh, get yourself an Amazon Prime subscription. I've got mine got mine until July next year, I think. Yeah, well, well worth. Plus you get free shipping on everything. Yeah, it's exactly. well worth picking up. Uh, <laughs> it's not meant to be a plug for Amazon Prime, but it is a really good service. It is worth picking up. Moving on to other streaming services, Apple TV has picked up the World War II drama Masters of the Air from the Band of Brothers and Pacific team. This was originally planned ooh, about 2013, I think it was started to be developed for HBO. And it's it's the third part of the trilogy, basically, of the Band of Brothers, the Pacific trilogy. It's from the same guys. It's based on a proper historical book, and they've kind of turned it into a dramatic series, which I think is pretty much what they did with the previous ones. It's Steven Spielberg, it's Tom Hanks. They're both involved in it, and their production companies are involved in it as well. It's based around the American Bomber Boys, which is the eighth Air Force crewman who uh, fought the Nazi forces in World War II, the um, American Air Force crewman. I loved, loved the first two series they did. Band of Brothers, I think, is a fabulous piece of TV. The Pacific was great as well. I'm really interested to see what they do with this third one. And uh, Apple seems like a good place for it to land. They've mm. got the pockets deep enough for it, you know, so. You know what? I've always felt like I should watch Band of Brothers. You hear so many great things yeah. about it and the cast always refer to it in interviews. And I just, I don't know what age I was when that originally came out, whether it was just something that really didn't come onto my radar. But oh, just, there's so much out there, Dave. I don't know if I, I can have time. It now is. I'm trying to watch The Crown from two years ago. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, it is worth catching if you've, if you've not seen it. It's an incredible, incredible series. And they sort of, you know, as well as the drama stuff, they cut into cut footage of genuine interviews with people that were alive at the, the time and people that were in the trenches. It's really, really fascinating and just brilliant, brilliant drama. Those two are well worth watching. I'm very interested to see what they do with Masters of the Air. One of the reasons that it didn't end up on HBO was the price tag, because they are looking to spend at least $250 million on producing this series, which seems quite a lot. And HBO were kind of bulking a bit at the price tag for it. But Apple, of course, is Apple and not exactly short of cash. So uh, they've stepped in and they will now have the, uh, the whole of the series. 
the original Band of Brotherless and Pacific together picked up 43 Emmy nominations and 14 Emmy wins. So, you know. Not much, not much. Yeah. That's standard. Yeah, pretty decent. Uh, this is Apple's second collaboration with Spielberg because they're also reviving his Amazing Stories series as well. And they also announced that they've got a an overall deal with Alfonso Cuaron, the man behind Roma and Gravity, to make some TV shows, which could be kind of interesting because he's a great director. So yeah, well, uh, that's looking good. Uh, but if, certainly if you're a fan of World War II drama, Apple TV, which launches on 1st of November worldwide, that's the way you're supposed to do it, Warner. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Give it to the audience. It's the audience that should be uh, like getting the best deal. Yeah. So uh, launches worldwide. You can get it in a whole bunch of different places as well. There's apps coming to various devices and stuff. Apple TV, 1st of November. Don't know when Masters of the Air will actually be released. It will probably be a few years off yet, but uh, there yeah. are some great stuff coming to Apple TV already. Moving on, Hulu has announced the cast for their live action Marvel Hellstrom series. News dropped last week that Hulu would not be moving forward with the planned Ghost Rider series, which they announced at the same time as Hellstrom, but uh, that was apparently over creative differences. They didn't like the direction it was going, but they are still carrying on with the Hellstrom series. They're still very, very much behind it. Hellstrom is a another comic book adaptation, obviously, um, follows Damien and Anna Hellstrom, son and daughter of a mysterious and powerful serial killer. The siblings have a complicated dynamic as they trap down the worst of humanity, each with their attitude and skills. They have announced that Tom Austin will take the role of Damon. He's a professor of ethics who moonlights as an exorcist and has no illusion about saving a world he has no patience for. He just hopes that he can help a few people closest to him. Sidney Lemon, who was in Succession and Fear the Walking Dead, he's playing Anna, the sister uh, by day. Anna runs a successful auction house and suffers no fools, but her true interest lies in hunting down those who hurt others. Elizabeth Marvel, appropriately named, given it to Marvel Show, who is in Homeland. Uh, she portrays Victoria Hallstrom, who is the mother of Damon and Anna. Uh, Robert Wisden, who was in Ballers and Watchmen, will star as caretaker, guardian of knowledge of the occult. June Carl, who is in Mindhunter and Dead Women Walking, is playing Louise Hastings, a psychologist with a strong faith but an open mind. Anair Guerrera, who is in Raising Dion, plays Gabrielle Rosetta, a woman balancing logic and faith. She arrives from the Vatican to help Damon and Hastings uncover new demonic possessions. And Alan Yu, who is playing Chris Yen, Anna's business partner and closest friend, and some would say surrogate brother. That's quite an interesting cast lined up. I don't particularly know the comic book for this, but they're talking about it being a kind of darker thing for Marvel, which is one of the reasons why it's on Hulu and not Disney Plus, because Hulu will allow them to be a lot darker than they could be on the uh, PG-13 rated Disney Plus service. So uh, that's why it's over there. I am disappointed that they're not doing the Ghost Rider series, but at least we're getting one of them out of there. I was interested when they originally announced the Ghost Rider element, yeah. and uh, I was I was surprised that this one is above the Ghost Rider. I was genuinely surprised that they went yeah. for it. But obviously, we have expectations of Ghost Rider, I suppose, from films, yeah. from appearing in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So maybe they're going for something that's a little bit more unknown and that will help us a little bit. Yeah, possibly. Um, and that will get a better drive and a better audience sort of thing. So I'm thinking that in a positive way. I will probably give it a go. I give most of Marvel's uh, a go, even if I don't end up finishing the series right, uh, right. like like the runaways i never finished in, 
the end or Cloak and Dagger. I, I watched like the first couple of episodes of that and just never, again, too much great TV out there. So yeah. can't always watch everything. But yeah, I'll probably give this one a go. It sounds interesting. It's got a bit of, um, it's going to sound really weird. It's got a bit of grim to it. Do you remember Grimm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's I something can, that sort of reminds that. me of that. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I might I might have a go at that. So Yeah, yeah, quite possible. No idea where it'll end up in the UK because it's a Hulu series and obviously we don't have Hulu. Hulu and Marvel series have ended up all over the place. Runaways landed on Sci-Fi in the UK. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on E4. Cloak and Dagger was on Amazon Prime. Channel 4 have taken another Hulu series. So it's really hard to know exactly where it's going to end up. So we'll have to wait and see. But it is still coming and uh, that one is still out there. I rather suspect they will leave it a little bit and then circle back around to Ghost Rider at some point. So Mm. because there are a couple of different Ghost Riders as well. So even if it's not a direct continuation of the version that we saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is what this TV series was supposed to be, you could maybe do another version, either as a film or a series or something like that. But we'll have to wait and see. But uh, it is a shame that that didn't get picked up. And lastly, Ardalo Handlin, who stars in Death in Paradise, will be leaving the show in its ninth season, it was announced, which is premiering in January 20. 2020. He's been playing Jack Mooney, D.I. Jack Mooney, since season six. He's going to make his final appearance next season. He basically said that I've spent the last four summers in Guadeloupe playing Jack Mooney, solving 20 murder cases in my time there. I've been hugely rewarding and an unforgettable experience working with the incredibly talented actors, directors, crew, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, basically he's moving on. That's, that's mm. what he said. Uh, what's interesting is previously when they've announced that somebody's leaving, they've then usually pretty much straight away announced who's taking over the role but they've not done that this time because obviously this isn't the first time that it's the, happened yeah because the, the, you know, Ben Miller started the show and then Chris Marshall was the lead for a bit and then O'Hanlon was the lead so um it's, it's, I've got a theory, Dave. Go on. I've got a theory. I think I think it's going to be a woman. Yeah, well, I think there is a possibility of that. They did announce there was a, a, a female that joined the cast last season, I think. There was a sort of sidekick character that yeah. joined. So it's possible that maybe they're just going to up her as the lead and then... But we'll we'll have to wait and see. There has been a few comments I've seen online about, you know, it'd be good to have a woman in the lead. And there's no reason why not. So, you know, that would be great. Uh, Not too long enough. Maybe Death in Paradise is just going to do it a little bit sooner. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So uh, if you're a fan of that, they've not announced which episode he's leaving in, but he is leaving in season nine when it premieres in January 2020. So uh, if you're a fan of Death in Paradise, keep an eye out for that. I love it because it's always on in the winter. Yes. It just is a lovely getaway when you're looking outside at the rain and the wind or the snow and you can get to watch it. And it's cheesy. It's predictable. It's very murder she wrote for the modern day. (laughs) And it's just such a good drama. It just gets such strong ratings. And yeah, I'll tune in. Yeah, Yeah, the the ratings are ridiculously high for that show it is extremely popular but uh yeah i'd so that will be back in january and you can well you can wrap him up in front of the uh, fireplace and you can watch people in uh, the caribbean <laughs> so that's all the news we have for this week next up we have an interview the interview this week is with the composer 
Chad Cannon, who uh, recently worked on the Netflix documentary series American Factory, uh, which won the Best Director Award for a Documentary at Sundance this year, and is the first film released by Barack and Michelle Obama's production company, Higher Ground. It is now out on Netflix, so you can uh, go and catch it on there. It explores the industrial rivalry between the US and China, and they recruited Chad to do the music for it. Chad's background is quite diverse. He's worked on a whole range of things from uh, the Hobbit trilogy. He worked with Alexandria Desplat on um, films like Godzilla. He worked with Studio Ghibli on things like Castle in the Sky and Spirited Away. He worked on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the Hobbs and Shaw movie. He also worked on the documentary Paper Lanterns as well. He's done a variety of different things, sort of orchestrating and stuff and composing in his own right. So we get to talk to him about a whole bunch of different stuff, including the really interesting music and choices that he had to make for something which is essentially kind of looking at at the US and China and how he handles the music for that. Here's the interview with Chad Cannon. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. It's lovely to have you on. Should we just do a little bit of background? How did you get into composing in the first place? I grew up in a very musical family. My mother was a... Her battle in life was to get all her six children to play music. (laughs) So before I could play Nintendo every day, I had to practice for an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it was. And I actually hated music until I discovered U2. (laughs) (laughs) My goal in life was actually to become Bono, but that didn't pan out very well. So (laughs) (laughs) because I was so inspired by all the music that I loved from them and from a bunch of other bands that my older siblings listened to, I started writing songs and I started a a rock band in high school that was basically a U2 imitation band. (laughs) That led me to become more curious about, well, I played all this classical music growing up. I started violin when I was four, but... I didn't really understand the the music theory behind it all. And so that led me on a, on a journey to discover how music really functions and works. And, and that led to me wanting to become a composer. And in high school, I listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtracks a ton. So Howard Shore was a big influence in my life early on. And then in college, I was studying contemporary concert music composition, a lot of chamber music. Yeah. And then post-graduation, when I, I finished at Juilliard in 2013 and I came to LA and I started working for this guy named Conrad Pope, who's an incredible orchestrator and, and also composer. And he just happened to be working with Howard Shore on the Hobbit trilogy. And that's where <laughs> I, that was my baptism by fire wow, was coming yeah. in, coming into the industry through, through that gate. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I go back and obviously look at the IMDB page when I'm interviewing things and it did uh, rather strike me that the first thing that shows up on there, apart from the odd short movie is the Hobbit as being something that yes. you were involved with. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. that's a heck of a place to start. It was crazy. I mean, it was really incredible, but also incredibly nerve wracking because it's the first thing I'm doing here and you don't want to screw that one up. No, no, (laughs) no. But luckily, Conrad was an incredible mentor and having worked with him on, you know, six or seven big films now, I've gone through thousands of pages of his orchestrations and also gotten a lot of feedback from him as as far as how to improve my own orchestrations. Yeah, that was a really, really great experience. I was very, very lucky to fall into his circle. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you've also got on and been composer in your own right, of course, which leads us to American Factory, which 
which is the documentary you've been doing. Uh, this is actually released through the Obama's production company. So, uh, you know, d- another fairly high profile people you're getting involved with. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. They saw the film at Sundance and really loved it and they acquired it. And it's really exciting, partly because of the impact and now it will have that they're attached to the project that a lot more people will get a chance to see it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Of course, it was really great that Netflix picked it up. I'm a, I've been a Netflix subscriber for like a decade now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun to, to have a project that's been picked up by them. Yeah. Netflix is great for, for distribution and they have some great documentaries on that. Yeah. I think they translate into like 20 something languages. And that's so something ridiculous. Yeah. The international reach is going to be really broad too. And that's exciting. And Julia and Steve, the directors who are just incredible human beings and some of the world's greatest documentarians mentioned that one of the reasons they went with Netflix is because they wanted this to reach the kinds of people who are being portrayed in the film all these working class Americans. Americans who don't necessarily have access to like art theaters, yeah, you know, that are only available in some of the big cities or in like really quirky towns that are into that kind of thing. Most places in the U.S. wouldn't, you, it would be impossible for most people to go see this film in the theater. So yeah, yeah, of course. The fact that it can be broadcast right into people's homes and in, on their devices is really great. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons that the directors, Julie and Steve, were quite interested in you is because you have quite a background working in Asia and with China. I have worked a lot in China and specifically my Harvard thesis project was on Okinawan folk music and I had visited Fujian province in China, which is one of the closest provinces on the coastline there to Okinawa. Yeah. And it so happens that America factory was filmed in Fujian, the, the Fuyao Glass, which is the company being portrayed in the film, is headquartered in Fujian. So it was really exciting that like, oh, I've already done some musical research in that part of China. And here we have this great American film that's connected to Fujian. And it made sense that um, the way I actually got in touch with them was that I had done the Sundance Composer Labs in 2016. Yeah. And they have this wonderful program where each year about 10 composers get chosen and and you get to go to Skywalker Ranch, which is George oh, Lucas's yeah, place. Yeah. And you work with a sound designer and a director. And then there's these Sundance composers that are mentors. I was referred to the project through the through the labs because they knew I had a lot of experience working in Asia. So they sort of thought, oh, this is an Asia connected film. Here's an Asian connected composer. Yeah. So that was the way I got in touch with them. Cool. So the film, the basic premise of it is a Chinese company that is taking over a U.S. factory and the sort of everything that kind of goes with them trying to do that. That's essentially the sort of basis of it. Exactly. In terms of approaching the music for it, were you looking for industrial sounds or or were you trying Um, to kind of work against that? There were so many industrial sounds already present in the film. Yeah. The sound designer, Lawrence Everson, is excellent sound designer. He went to the factory for about three or four days and just, he took these really cool um, microphone setups where he could record like the entire spectrum of sound, right? I don't know. It's like a six or eight mic setup and then he can, it's like surround, but even more than surround. Yeah. A three-dimensional capturing of the sound, I guess. Um, And he, he shared his, his uh, sound library with me early on because I thought, oh, maybe I could go in and find some effects that he had captured and turn them into pads or rhythmicize them so that 
they can become a bed for composing on top of stuff like that. And there is a little bit of that that we achieved. <laughs> there's <laughs> this really beautiful sound that he captured outside the factory where there's a conveyor belt that takes all the broken glass from underneath the workers and dumps it in a big pile outside the factory. And he went and filmed that waterfall of broken glass. And it's just like this weird, gorgeous sort of, it sounds like a digital clinking sound that just never ends. It's like a river of glass and it, that sound really was interesting to me. I did use that in a couple spots as like creating an atmosphere of like fragility because this company that, and the the CEO are taking this huge risk by opening this factory. And it's at first it's not going very well, right? They, yeah. they come across all these big problems. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of cultural differences between the U S and China and the Chinese management, you know, had trouble working with American managers at first. And throughout the whole film, you feel the sense of fragility. And you also feel that for the American workers who, you know, an American, we have the American dream and all these workers are trying to achieve that. And yet the subtext here is that China is this huge rising economic power and what's happening to American economic power. It's in this fragile state, right? So, so the glass, the broken glass sound to me was an attempt to try to like capture that fragility. Yeah. But in the final mix, a lot of the stuff I did like that ended up getting removed because there's already so much noise in the film and broken glass does have a lot of white noise overtones. And so it's hard to like use effectively when there's dialogue going right, on. Yeah, yeah. So it's very subtle. You would probably only notice if, if I sat down and said, oh, there it is, you know, <laughs> right. as you're watching the film. So we found other ways to portray the fragility. Like there's a lot of orchestral textures that I think capture that in various ways. A lot of ostinato patterns that they get tossed around between different groups of instruments. Instruments, and I feel like the, the passing around of some of those motifs ends up, to me at least, it feels fragile because it's like, oh, one of them could drop the ball and not get the pattern right. You know, right, like, yeah. as we're recording it, you, you feel that fragility too. <laughs> so Julia talked about using uh, a Mozart serenade as a sort of touchstone for some of the composing of the new stuff. Yes. Early on, like when the first or second phone call with Julia and Steve, they said, oh yeah, we went and heard this concert in Ohio recently where it was this Mozart piece for woodwinds and there was like two French horns and a double bass and it was just a very dark, interesting sound and and it felt big enough to convey the the hugeness of this factory and the hugeness of what's happening between the U.S. and China. And they specifically said, no violins. We, we don't want violins <laughs> in the score, which as a violinist, I was like, oh, well, this will be an interesting <laughs> challenge. <laughs> The majority of the score is woodwinds. We had, I think, a nine-piece woodwind ensemble, six-piece brass, and then we had six strings, but only cellos and a bass. We did not use violas or or violins. (laughs) It was an interesting challenge, of course, as a composer. I really love, you know, having written a lot of chamber music, it's fun to like go, oh, well, I'm only able to use these instruments for this ensemble, so what can we do with that? You know, it's always a fun challenge, and, and every score brings its own set of constraints, like budget wise, of course. But in this case, it was also specific requests from the director. And I thought 
ultimately the sound ended up working very well against all the factory noise because the woodwinds are so distinctive compared to what you hear in the factory. So I think it complements well. You mentioned having done stuff with Chinese music before. Were you, you were you trying to fold some of that in as well? Yeah. Another thing I pitched to the to Julian Steve was, hey, well, what if I went back to Fujian and found some really great local performers from that part of China? Fujian has its own 2000 year old music tradition called Nanyin, N-A-N-Y-I-N. And it literally means Southern noise because Fujian's like South China. Right. But it's this beautiful, like old operatic chamber ensemble tradition. So I suggested, hey, what if we use something related to that? You know, they entertained the idea and said, well, let's let's think about it. But ultimately, they kind of felt like it might come across as pandering or something. Right. When they're when they're these local Ohio filmmakers, they didn't want to like exoticize the Chinese part of this. And they yeah. wanted this film also to speak to a really broad audience. And if we made it so specific to China, or at least using so many ethnic elements, it might just make it too specific. Yeah. I did end up using a pipa, which is a, a type of Chinese lute, because I just happened to be working on a Chinese dance commission <laughs> the same month I was composing for this film. So I did use some of the pipa in the score, but it's very, again, very subtle. I would like have to point it out to you for you to be able to notice it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice to get things like that in though yeah just a little touch here and there a couple of other things you've worked on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume that's team. right you yeah. worked on orchestrating that very fun and that team we also just finished the new hot this new Fast Hobbs and, and Furious Sh- film yeah, Hobbs and, Shaw, Hobbs and yeah. Shaw which is on every billboard in the world it seems like <laughs> yes, right now pretty much <laughs> um, so that opportunity came to me through another excellent orchestrator and composer named Tim Williams who is often orchestrating the scores of Tyler Bates. Right. Yeah. Tyler Bates is a very well-known, he's a rock star, really. <laughs> like he plays with all these famous rockers. Um, yeah. But he brings on Tim Williams to help him with his sort of orchestral language, because obviously he's a rocker and he knows he knows rock and roll. And he has this really raw energy that's contagious. I, I love him and his scores. It's been really fun to work on these huge, but, you know, lighthearted films that are a little bit of a change of pace from like Godzilla and, <laughs> <laughs> and The Hobbit. You know, I'm doing documentaries and that sort of stuff, which you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. In terms of what's next, have you got other things lined up to do? I do. Unfortunately, I can't really say what they are yet. I'll just say there's a documentary, another documentary in the works. And I'm also working on a big new video game project that's. um, You can never talk about those. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I will say we're we're recording for the video game in London and then in Japan in October. So. that's exciting and i'm excited for the for the world to experience the music from that project because it's really exciting um (laughs) yes but the the documentary i'm also eager to get in we're we're about to start it but i'm eager to get into it because i have some very specific musical ideas that i think are going to work well for this new film having to do with the ensemble i'm going to use interesting like i was saying earlier it's always a fun challenge to like have your instrumentation decided and figure out how to use that instrumentation in a way that best works for 
for this film. Definitely. So last couple of questions. The first one is uh, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Well, I just got through Catch-22. Oh, yes. That's great. Which that. I think is the best TV series I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. I loved Game of Thrones and my wife and I are kind of into Handmaid's Tale right now. But Catch-22 was an excellent example of how great it can be if you just keep it to six episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of spinning it into eight seasons, you know, it does an excellent job. I've read the book Catch-22, of course. Yes. And I thought George Clooney just nailed it. Like the casting in that show. And I love the music by Harry and Rupert Gregson Williams. I heard that was the first time that they were collaborating. They're brothers, but it was like the first project that they've ever worked on together or something. Really? Everything about that series I just loved. Yeah. I was blown away. It's simultaneously like hilarious, but also like heartbreaking and devastating and says so much about how crazy war is. Yeah. So that one, I just hands down, that's the best show I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it, it was fabulous that series uh it's it's been running over here as well and i've re- really enjoying it it's great good good and lastly if you could work on any tv series past present or some future thing what would it be well i'm also a huge fan of man in the high castle <laughs> and that project specifically with its connection to japan but also like this reimagining of history and sort of recreating the u.s as it might have been had had things turned out differently i just love that kind of thing and it's a dark series obviously and i think like the orchestral music that i write might work kind of well in a series like that the composer on it at the moment is uh, dominic lewis who does a fabulous job yes and it's an excellent score i really admire what dominic and henry jackman i think on the first series yeah yeah dominic does an amazing job on it but dominic also composes ducktales as well <laughs> right a huge <laughs> just, range just a wonderful <laughs> juxtaposition between the two <laughs> I really love that. Yeah, you have to wonder if he's like doing it on the same day. Yeah, Knots is in the morning, Ducks in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, fantastic. Well, that's one of the great things about what we do as film composers is such a wide variety of opportunities for expression. Absolutely. Well, good luck with the new projects and the new documentary. I hope it goes down brilliantly well. But hopefully you can come back on and talk about I'm very intrigued by the video game. You'll have to come back on and yeah, you can talk we'll see, about that we'll a bit see more. how that all turns out. Awesome. Hopefully we'll talk again at some point great yeah i hope everyone can tune into american factory it's it's a powerful piece so yeah thanks so much dave no problem cheers talk to you later bye so that was the interview with chad cannon the composer for american factory you can see american factory on netflix right now uh go and look it up it's well worth well worth going to watch now we've got some highlights for next week on tv So, highlights for next week. We have The Good Doctor returning for its third season on the 15th of October at 9pm. I really like this medical drama. I love it. Really good, really good. It's fabulous. So, uh, very happy to have that back. Sky Witness on the 15th of October, that is back. Uh, Should mention, by the way, if you're noticing things not returning to Universal, part of the reason for that is more changes behind the scenes because Comcast, who now owns Sky, also owns 
Universal. They're moving some of the shows off Universal and onto Sky Witness. So uh, Law and Order SVU will be moving across and uh, Chicago Med is moving across mm. as well. So it will sit together with Chicago Fire. Chicago PD, unfortunately, is still on Channel, channel 5. five isn't it, yeah. One of the Channel 5 channels. But yeah, so Chicago Med is moving across and Law and Order SVU is moving across. I haven't got dates for those yet, but they're moving over just in case you were wondering. The Purge Season 2, that is coming to Amazon Prime on the 16th of October. I haven't watched this, but if you like The Purge, it is on there. In the long run, which is the Idris Elba comedy, that is coming for Season 2 on Sky 1 on the 16th of October as well. Still open all hours, which is Sir David Jason return to the classic sitcom. That is in its sixth season. That's on the 18th of October at 8pm. That returns. Living With Yourself, which gives you not one, but two Paul Rudds. That is coming. <laughs> Coming to uh, Netflix on the 18th of October. I'm very much looking forward to this. Paul Rudd is fabulous. And a show with two Paul Rudds in it, I think, could be highly entertaining. So there is that. There is Modern Love, which is a half-hour romantic comedy series which explores love in all its complex and beautiful forms. That is coming to Amazon Prime on the 18th of October. We have Looking for Alaska, which is a miniseries coming to BBC Three, created by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Sanders. Savage, based on the novel by the same name that is on the 19th of October that lands on BBC Three. Then we have lots of comic book things. Supergirl coming to Sky One for season five that is on the 21st of October at 8pm. Watchmen that series comes to Sky Atlantic on the 21st of October at 2am in a simulcast with the US and then we'll be on at 9 or 10pm in the evening as well. Very much looking forward to that. If you want to know more about Watchmen we we are doing a weekly podcast over at Entertainment Talk with Matt. So uh, there'll be a weekly podcast on Watchmen, which I think is called Watching the Watchmen, but I don't quote me on that. Uh, so that is uh, going out on Entertainment Talk as well. But uh, Watchmen, Sky Atlantic, 21st of October. Dave Gorman returns with a new show called Terms and Conditions Apply, which is pretty much like his old show, except he has some celebrity guests in it, as far as I could tell. Uh, that's coming to Dave on the 21st of October at 10pm. I love Dave Gorman, so I'm very happy that's there. And The Flash Season 6 coming to Sky One on the 22nd of October at 8pm that returns. So lots of things returning. My anxiety is already starting <laughs> again. It's this time of year where yes. I'm like there are some going to have to be some harsh cuts in my life and that means there are some of those programmes I'm not going to watch. Yeah, all the ones, I think the majority of those I do want to watch Oh, Dave, I can't. Yes. I can't <laughs> there, is, there is a lot of things going to be uh, coming and it's only going to get worse as we get through towards the end of the year and the start of next year as well. There's going to be more things. You're going to have Apple Plus launching in November. At some point, probably next year, you're going to end up with the Disney Plus streaming service. As we were talking about earlier, we may have a Warner streaming service. There's going to be stuff all over the place. It's going to Dave, be crazy. It's supposed to ease my anxiety. Make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. All right. So that's everything we have for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. Nope. That's absolutely everything. So where can they find you? If they want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on at Grey the Geek. You'll find me mainly complaining about consumers, uh, companies <laughs> out there, asking for some support with their bad customer service, but also I do tweet about the programs and films that I see every so often. Yes. And for us, if you want to go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week, you can see all the latest air date information and TV news. There's loads and loads of stuff going up over there. 
we have air dates for US and UK TV as well now if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.